0: The team sitting right here is fantastic. And I want to ask them to join in with
1: this group here and send the
0: books to Bob. Let's see how y'all do. Okay? On three. Genesis, Exodus, Bethesda. Yes. Verse of authority and all about home. Oh, I want to see these youngsters here. What's the key verse of authority and home, y'all? Bless us, I do all
1: things to Christ me. All right, if I say here, you say 17. Faith comes by hearing. Faith comes by hearing.
0: Philip said, if you believe, Philip said, if you believe, Philip said, if you believe, said, if you believe all your heart can may, You didn't answer, yes, I believe. You did answer, yes, I believe. You did answer, yes, answer, yes, answer, yes, I believe. Jesus yes, I believe. Christ, Jesus Christ the Son of God, God. and be baptized.
1: I say. I say. Be baptized, like thanks
0: Okay. And Peter
1: said today, them, today. I'm today.
0: Be faithful. Revelation. And be faithful. Be, be faithful, faithful. Be faithful unto death, and I, and I will be give you a crown of life. Excellent. Excellent. All right. What's the verse that we've seen that proves God made everything? Hebrews what? Three for you. All right. No atheist, no matter how much he's going to school, can answer this. Right? Mm-hmm. Every I house is built by someone. By someone.
1: Every.
0: That's the truth. You got the truth. It doesn't matter what anybody else says, right? And y'all know the truth don't they? All right. This is how we worship, God, God. worship God, God. Worship God. Worship
1: God. This is how we worship God, God. according to, to
0: His words? word. Take the Lord's Supper. We partake the Lord's supper, Lord's supper, Lord's supper. We partake the Lord's supper, remembering His death. Sing. we sing praises to our God, to our God, to our God. We sing praises to our God, singing in our hearts. True success in life. Excellent. What's true failure in life? Okay. And uh, what's God's ideal for marriage? The man into life. Good. Now, God made you, but why did He make you?
1: To glorify God. To glorify,
0: and because God made you, what does that mean? Never forget that, right? All right. Uh, y'all are out, out of school for the holidays, right? Right? But even though you're going to be home maybe tomorrow, do whatever your parents or grandparents want you to do, no matter what you
1: do tomorrow, what are you going to do? I will do my best. I will and never wake up. and God take care of the rest.
0: go over our card tonight, okay but we'll try to get that next time but we won't meet here for a couple of weeks so it'll be two weeks all right you know what we're not going to meet again till next year did you think about that we're not going to meet till next year all right all right we're glad that all of y'all are here tonight and uh we want to express our appreciation to you especially if you're visiting with us i know we have uh, quite a few folks that are out of town that are traveling but uh, you're here, and we're glad you're here, and we want to express our sincerest appreciation for that fact. And if you are visiting with us tonight, uh, don't rush off. Give us a chance to uh, say hello to you, and uh, and let us get a chance to express that to you. As far as announcements go, uh, I'm concerned about little Zoe Wade, and uh, uh, her little face is not up here tonight. She's in Labaner Hospital, so. Uh, I'm going to word a prayer in just a minute, and I want to remember Zoe uh, in our prayer, okay? And uh, also, I want to remind everybody that next Sunday, we will have one service only, and that will be at 10.30. So please keep that in mind. Uh, If you want to show up for the 9.30 service, that's fine. You can just stay and visit for an hour, and then we'll begin our service at 10.30. So be thinking about that. All right, I'm going to close us out in a prayer, and then we're going to sing a a verse of a song uh, before uh, our teachers go to class first. And then how are y'all going to go to class? Walk. Walk, that's good. You're doing a great job. I appreciate it. All right, let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, thank you so much for all you do for us. We are truly and richly blessed beyond what we deserve, and we're so mindful of the many blessings that you give us, particularly those wonderful spiritual blessings that are ours through Christ Jesus our Lord. Father, as we think about those that are sick, there's so many that that, uh, we could mention tonight. Uh, We ask that you would be with each of them in the way that you know best and be with those that are attending to their needs. Father, especially little Zoe, we pray that you would bless the doctors at Labana that are attending to her needs, and we pray that they will be able to uh, find out what her problem is and be able to uh, help her to have a full recovery. Father, we're thankful for this church. We're so thankful for what the church here means to this community. We're thankful for our four godly elders who serve faithfully here, and we pray that you'll continue to grant them wisdom, Father, as they, they continue to lead us in the way that we should go according to your word. We're thankful for all of our Bible class teachers, Father, whose influence uh, is so valuable Uh, in the hearts and lives of our young people. Please bless each of them and their families. Father, we ask that you would continue to watch over us and help us to continue to bring glory and honor to you in all things. And most of all, Father, we're thankful for your Son who gave his life on the cross for our sins and that makes it possible for us to go to heaven when this life is over. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen. All right, we're going to sing one verse of Anywhere With Jesus. number four.
1: Anywhere with Jesus I can safely go.
2: Good evening, everybody. Great to see you. I'm thankful that you're here for our Bible class tonight. We're going to be studying about leadership. And tonight, uh, we're going to be looking at some passages of Scripture together. Especially, we're going to be centered in 1 Timothy chapter 3. So if you want to go ahead and get your Bible open to that place, we'll be reading that text here shortly. But before we start that, I'd like us to go over the People that are sick that we're praying for. And uh, if I have some updates, I'll share those with you. And then when I get through with my list, if you'd like to add somebody, we'll put them on here and pray for them here very shortly. Irene Baker is Melinda Hester's mother. She has terminal cancer. Martha Eaton's doing great. She got a a wonderful report from the doctor said that uh, the bone in her foot had completely healed. So she's still trying to, you know get used to the feel of her foot, but we just continue praying that she's gonna have full recovery. Uh, Austin Wentz has been undergoing uh, chemo treatments for some time. He's got a long series. He takes treatment every day. Some are more taxing on his body than others. Those come at various intervals, but uh, just please keep him in your prayers. And if you'd like to send him a card, the address is up there on the screen. Uh, Don Dawson's not been well for some time, pray for his recovery. Uh, Wade Davis is still missing, he's been missing since June the 22nd. So please keep Sue and their family in your prayers. Carolyn Wilcutt's recovering. Bobby Petty, who is Joe Garrett's friend, has lung cancer. (coughs) Doug Smith's dad, Kelby Smith, he has Parkinson's disease, but it, it weakens his immunity, he has a lot of different illnesses along the way. Saw Cody McGee today, he, actually he was at services. Is he here now? But he was here this morning, and he's, he's making some great progress, so we're thankful for that. Vanessa Williams has leukemia, she's a member at Snowdown. Eric Fitzsimmons has some blockages, they're trying to treat choppers here tonight, choppers suffering intense pain all the time, and we're hoping that they'll come to some understanding of what the problem is. Larry Kennedy is Becky Johnson's brother-in-law. He's been undergoing some tests. Uh, Danny Ramdahl is one of our missionaries in Guyana. He has stage four kidney failure. Linda Beard's here, but she's still recovering from her surgery. Ben Roberts has pancreatic cancer. Paul Rollison has brain cancer. Reed Sparks recently lost second leg. Lex Crossan has some health issues. Joan and Martha's Sister Norma has some health issues. Tony Presley has leukemia. Marty Woodruff has cancer. Lynn Barragona, she fell, broke her arm. It's right below her her shoulder. Did not require surgery, but there's some weeks in recovery. Patsy Bain had total hip replacement surgery in Tupelo. Uh, Eli Johnson has stage four uh, cancer he's at saint jude hospital he's for a few days. home for a few days okay good but he isn't he going to be okay he's going to be undergoing treatment he's supposed to take 42 42 treatments Okay. Ashley Owens is recovering from surgery. Dale's sister Jackie is going to be having some surgery the first of the year. Um, they were afraid uh, that it was cancerous, but tests revealed that it was not cancerous. Nevertheless, she's still going to have to have surgery. So, we pray that 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 goes very well. And then Zoe. Zoe's been in the hospital over the weekend at La She has some. Uh, very serious breathing problems. It's something that they've dealt with a couple of other times in the past, but hopefully they're getting in the right hands and they'll get to the bottom of what's causing the constriction. Sometimes she's fine, sometimes it just closes up. So just remember them. They've been back and forth. Uh, Wade had uh, caught him while he was trying to get home, get some clothes and head right back up there. So um, you can imagine, very stressful situation for them. Uh, do you have anybody else you would like to add? Yes?
1: My mother, my mother, Rick's a town. She's back at Landmark now. She's in her room almost six, so she's not doing that at
2: all. I'm afraid she's not going to be here. OK. I'm sorry to hear that. But she's in good hands over there. Yeah, Someone else?
1: Martin and
2: what was the last name?
1: H. Uh, a. N. L. White. he passed away. He is at a young age of 36. His wife is Suzanne, who worked in the school there. I don't know if I can know her. He leaves his daughter, he's a singer, and his son is a seventh grade.
2: Right. Sorry to hear that. know
1: be be Betty, she career She
2: too. Yes. Okay. I um, need to want to be to tell you about my mother. Well, I'm not going to get into the long story of it, but I found out this week that she is actually in a, an Alzheimer's unit. So had some trouble over the past few months getting in touch with her and been told different things, but got to the bottom of it and that's what I discovered. So it's been kind of a shock for me. Anyway, appreciate you remembering my mother, Brenda. Well, that kind of makes it real. All right. Anybody else? Okay, let's let's pray for these and We've seen so many people come back doing well and I'm just thankful God hears our prayers, aren't you? Let's pray. Our Father, thank you so much for your blessings today. Thank you for the day that it's been. Uh, cool temperatures, uh, just a great week ahead of us. We thank you for the fellowship that we enjoy in the body and we thank you for your love of us. And we, we just love you as hard as we can and we're just so grateful for Jesus that makes that possible. Thank you Lord for many who are sitting in this audience tonight who have been blessed with restored health. And Father, we know that all of this is in your hands. Everything is dictated by your will, but we just we rejoice when these restorations happen and we give you the glory for it. But I guess it would go without saying too, Lord, that whatever your will is, we are thankful for it. We don't know the ins and outs of anything, but we do trust you. So when we see these things that affect us directly happen, we just rejoice. And I know these folks who are restored to their health are so grateful to you. We pray for Irene Baker and her family as she has a terminal diagnosis, but we pray they'll have good days together. We pray for uh, Martha Eaton, that she'll have a complete and full recovery and freedom of movement again someday. Pray for Austin Wentz, who is undergoing this long series of treatments. And we just pray that he can bear up under it and do well. We pray for Don Dawson, that he'll feel better soon. Bless the Davis family and just now we just pray for some kind of closure and just we pray your blessings and comfort on their families. They go through just the most difficult season. We pray for Carolyn Wilcott and her recovery, bless Bobby Petty and his battle with cancer. Pray that Kelby Smith will have good days. We're thankful that Cody is doing so much better and we pray he'll have a full recovery, thankful he can put weight on his foot again. Bless Vanessa Williams who battles cancer. Pray for Eric Fitzsimmons that he'll get the treatment that's necessary to help his body to heal and rid him of these blockages. We we just beg you Father on Chopper's behalf that He can have some relief from the pain he's been experiencing. Bless Larry Kennedy in his treatments. Bless Danny Ramdahl that he can get the treatment he needs where he is. We rejoice that Linda's been able to be with us now uh, several meetings of ours and we're just praying she'll have a full recovery. We know it's a long-term recovery, but pray she'll get better every day. Bless Van Roberts who has pancreatic cancer Bless Paul Rawlison who has brain cancer. Be with Reed Sparks so he can get the kind of treatment and support he needs in having lost his legs. Pray for Lex Crosson who has some problems. Bless Norma that she'll have good days and her health can be better. Pray for Tony Presley in his battle with cancer. Be with Marty Woodruff and her cancer. Pray that Lynn Baragona will heal well and we're grateful that it didn't require um, extraordinary uh, treatment. We're, we're just thankful that she's not had to go through surgery. And we pray she'll heal quickly. Bless Patsy Bain in her recovery, that it will go well. She'll have good mobility. We pray for Eli Johnson and the treatments that he's about to undergo. We pray for Ashley Owens and her recovery. Bless Jackie Lambert as she faces surgery coming up in a few weeks. We're concerned about Zoe. We pray that she gets not just the treatment that she needs, but a proper diagnosis that will keep this thing from happening again with her. We pray for Teresa Taylor who's back at Landmark. and In an advanced age, we just pray that She is lovingly cared for, and that she will have good days there. We pray for Martin Hanley's family as he passed away, a grievous thing so young and leaving a wife and children. We just pray for their comfort. We pray for Betty Williams' family and her death and for their comfort too. Be with Lexi Griffin who's having her tonsils removed tomorrow. We, we understand just from what we hear that it's more difficult treatment for adults. And so we just pray that uh, she'll do well and uh, not have any complications. We pray for the McBrayer family as Michael's at St. Jude with leukemia. What a, what a terrible diagnosis for a young person. But we pray the treatment will be sufficient to bring about remission and pray for my mother as she's in new circumstances i'm sure in her condition it must be frightening and i just pray that you'll comfort her and uh, be with those who who care for her that they'll do so in a uh, very loving and a passionate compassionate sort of way bless us lord tonight as we continue talking about leadership and I just, I thank you, Lord, for the leaders that already sit in these pews here, some of which maybe are wrestling with those ideas or wrestling with change in behavior or whatever it takes to prepare themselves for the future. And I I pray mightily that you will put the thought and the confidence and the wherewithal to be what. You need them to be, have the courage to step out there and lead this congregation with certainty and trust in you for a bright future. Thank you for those men and uh, the women who also are here to lead this congregation in a a powerful and meaningful way. Help us all to find our God-given roles and then to satisfy them to the very, Not just the best of our ability, to our God-given ability. Help us to exceed even our expectations by your empowerment. Thank you for how you're going to answer our concerns tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so we're continuing. and. Tonight we're gonna to look in First Timothy chapter three, and if we have the time, we'll look at verses one through seven of that text, so if you'll get ready for that. And then we'll also, there's a complementary text that's in Titus chapter one. We'll look at verses five through nine of that text. We'll not read them all because much of what's found there is just a duplication of what you find here in First Timothy chapter three, but what we will do is look at those items that are additions, that help us to understand fully what it is that God expects of his leaders. I've, I thought that it would be kind of fun to think, to begin with some things that generally are thought of as being great attributes for godly leaders, just generally thought of. These are some things I've seen in churches over the past, and, and you tell me whether or not these things are biblical. Um, let's say that a person becomes an elder in the church because he's one of these. He is a good old boy. Is that a qualification point for our elders? Good old boy. Um, I'm afraid not. Now, there have been a lot of elders put in leadership positions in churches because that was their qualification. Just a good old boy. Just a good old boy. But sadly, that distinction is not laid out in the scriptures, at least not specifically that way. How about this? Um, a good, I've seen a lot of these. these. A good businessman. If you're a good businessman, you'd make a great elder, yes? Yes. <laughs> Not if that's your only qualification, not necessarily, but I, I've seen a lot of churches where the eldership was more like a, a, a boardroom and it was run like a business. So no, not businessmen. How, how about this? How about this? Popular.
1: Uh, We'll look at something in the
2: scriptures that talks about establishment of elders in places and the description that's given of the selection of those elders comes from a term that literally means the show of hands. So is that it? We just say, hey, so-and-so to be an elder, what do y'all think? And we take a vote and if we got enough, we'll say, yeah, he's in, he's in. Um, actually, you're going to understand the show of hands was in regard to people who already, guess what? Qualified biblically. Wait, you ask. What do you, what do you mean qualify biblically? Okay, would you read our text? Now, I, well, I'll give you, before you do that, before you do that, let me give you guys some text. One is Timothy, chapter, 1 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through Eight, The other one I told you that's complementary to it is Titus chapter 1 verses 5 through 9. And then we're also going to have deacons. So I'll go ahead and give you that text. That's 1 Timothy chapter 3 verses 9 through 13. Those are texts that we're going to be looking at and breaking down basically word by word in order to get an underst- understanding of what God is expecting out of our leaders. Okay, if you will read that text, 1st Timothy chapter three, verses one through eight, or one through seven, sorry. This
3: is a faithful saying. This is a faithful saying. If a man desires the position of a bishop, he desires a good work. A bishop then must be blameless, The husband I want to stop one... right
2: there for a second. Okay. okay, in verse 1, there is a requirement that I believe Doug taught the lesson, but I don't want you to miss it. To be a bishop requires that that person aspiring to it be what? Well, desirous of it. A person desires that. And then we also learn that, uh, start off verse 2 again.
3: A bishop then must be blameless. Okay,
2: stop right there. Now, we want to jump to the blameless. That is the first qualification, but I want you to notice what leads up to that. A bishop then must be. If you look up the words that are translated that way, must be, you'll find that the term in the Greek literally means necessity. In other words, what follows here is not a list of suggestions or the idea that, you know, if you got a guy that hits three quarters of these, you got a pretty good guy, maybe he should be the elder. This text says that an elder must be, these must be in place in order for a man to be the thing that he is desiring to be. Lots of people may desire to be in a position of authority and leadership and some for bad reasons. But the prerequisite here is that they must be the following things. Okay, now begin with blameless.
3: The husband of one wife, temperate, sober-minded of good behavior, hospitable, able to teach, not given to wine, not violent, not greedy for money, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not covetous. One who rules his own house well, having his children in submission with all reverence. For if a man does not know how to rule his own house, how will he he take care of the church of God? Not a novice, lest being puffed up with pride he fall into the same condemnation as the devil. Moreover, he must have a good testimony among those who are outside, lest he fall into reproach and the snare of the devil.
2: Okay, thank you very much. All right. You might wanna mark those and you know, as, as we're going along, you wanna review those, become familiar with them. Those are things that must be in place for the person who takes position of bishop or as we saw earlier, elder, shepherd, pastor, presbyter, overseer. All of those are referring to the same position or office. Those terms are describing perhaps different functions that that specific person qualified will fill what we're going to find is these things that qualify the person also describe characteristics or attributes that the person who's going to fill that position needs to have in order to be successful in leading the church of God. Now, it's interesting, that first thing that comes up, most people see that and they think, well, I could never be a leader in the church. The word blameless. Literally, the word blameless means not to have something that can be laid hold of. Doesn't mean that you are perfect. It means that the spiritual state that you live in now is truly that. And I was thinking as I was coming over here of what a good example of that would be, and I came up with Otis the town drunk from, from the Andy Griffith Show. Here's the thing about Otis. Otis was a good guy. I mean, you never see him really causing any problems. He's just, you know, he's just the town drunk. In fact, and I think people have made jokes about this, but turns out it's true. Uh, Otis, the town drunk, is actually the only married guy on the show. (laughs) I I don't know if there's a correlation there or not, but uh, Otis, the town drunk. So let's say Otis obeys the gospel. In order to obey the gospel what do you have to do one thing you have to do you have to repent if you don't repent you haven't qualified yourself to obey the gospel okay so let's say Otis repents of his drunkenness is he now qualified if he had all of these other attributes to be an elder someday some people would say well he was a drunk And so he can never be, well, wait a minute. What happened to his sins? They've been washed away. I would suggest to you that if he is no longer a novice, and he has grown in all these other areas, there is no reason in the world for him not to be an elder. But now, here's the problem. What happens if Otis becomes a Christian and then he's found hanging out at the local bar. Or he's found, you know, we we didn't really catch him drunk, but we've seen the whiskey, whiskey bottles piled up outside around the such and such. Is he a blameless person? No, because he has literally what? Something to lay hold of. The problem here is that your consistency as a christian has to be demonstrated I became a christian and whether it is I was a drunk that would be an extreme case I guess uh, what if I was a known liar could I ever repent of that and be forgiven I could but what if I continue with my gossip or my lying what does that say about the life that, Is that a blameless life blamelessness is the condition that now exists with you in your maturity that no longer houses what you once were. Now, you cannot lay hold to an accusation against me because I'm no longer the person that I used to be. Does that make sense? JT, you had your hand up. I was just talking about
3: the oldest illustration. <laughs> he could, could service it over eight, but you've got to consider the uh, regulation he has in life sometimes
2: in, in our society today family, it would probably be a long time before he could go. Uh, yeah, it might be. Or it might be he starts him a rehab center. And it, you know what I'm saying? If I, what I'm getting at is is drunkenness the only sin that... No. How many sins are there? <laughs> I don't know. But I'm going to... Oh, it's different. Oh, it's different.
0: It's different. Driving a car. It's different driving a No.
2: You know, I I, I hear people say, yeah, uh, you know, uh, talk about uh, either drinking or or smoking's a big one, too. People say, you should should quit smoking. And people say, well, that's easy to do. I quit every day, you know. What I'm getting there is, even though maybe my intention was to no longer be an alcoholic, to no longer be uh, taken in drunkenness, yet if... If that is a long-term continuing issue with me, am I blameless of that? No, I am not. I'm still guilty of a thing that should have been set aright. So when we're talking about men who are candidates for leading the Lord's church, that is a person who has put their sin away and then has done what with it? Left it in the grave. Yes? Now, let me ask you this question just as we're starting off here. I mean, this is the very first one. Is that something that all of us ought to aspire to or just if you want to be an elder? Shouldn't not we all be aspiring to blamelessness? What I once was, I no longer want to be, right? How How did Saul of Tarsus ever become an apostle of Jesus Christ? Was he any longer the blasphemer, persecutor, and insolent man? Oh, no, he was not. Now, in regard to those things, he was what? He was was blameless. He was blameless. He had those sins forgiven. And now he's no longer longer the murderer uh, that he once was. Peter, who identifies himself in 1 Peter chapter 5 as a what? Not just an apostle, but as an Elder. elder in the Lord's church. Wasn't it that very same Peter who denied the Lord three times? Famous for his sin, yes. And yet what? did he any longer continue in that no he did not in fact in regard to that he was he had grown he had been become blameless so nothing to take hold of is the idea don't have in your life some lingering thing that people can grab i say people you know who's grabbing on to that who wants to keep you from being an elder Satan does. Satan, listen to me. The doubt that you feel if you are otherwise qualified is not you. That's Satan trying to undermine you and the potential that you have perhaps to rise to the occasion for just such a time as this. Okay. So blameless, the husband of one wife. Oh, this is a fun one. Uh, Because There there are so many ideas that fly around about what on earth that actually could mean. Now I can tell you exactly, literally what that means. He is to be the husband. That word husband comes from the Greek word aner, which literally actually means a man. This is gonna be fun for other things too. The husband, literally a man, of one wife, comes from the Greek term G-Y-N-E. Gyne, from which comes, guess what term? Gynecology, right? It means literally a woman. Husband, every time you find it in the scriptures, is from the word aner. When you find wife, it's from gyne, a woman. Guess what a husband always is? A man, a male. Guess what a wife always is, biblically? <laughs> a woman, a female. Do you hear that? Ding, 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 ding. That's as simple as it can be. When it comes to marriage, the Bible states that marriage is between, uh, the children know this, one man and one woman for life. One man or husband, one woman or wife. That's it, it's simple. A man and a woman. Husband and wife become one flesh. Okay, so he is the husband, literally the man of one wife, literally husband of one woman. Uh, but you say, okay, great, that's interesting, and that could apply to a lot of things. But let's get back to qualifying someone. So in terms of marriage state, what on earth does what on earth does this have? have to say to us. So I'm going to throw some things out here that relate to men and women and a marriage relationship, what what this might have to do with the husband of one wife. Uh, First of all, when I think of marriage relationships, I think of not marriage, like single. Can a single person be an elder? How do you know that? because it's to be the husband of of one wife, which means, well, if they're husband and wife, they're married, so it's not single, it's a married relationship. Oh, and by the way, uh, what about a woman? Does this tell you anything about whether a woman can serve? No, because the qualification is for a, not just husband, oh, we'll redefine what a husband is, and maybe it could be a female too. This text doesn't go into that. It's literally a man with one woman. So the qualification rules out what? A woman. It's, it's a man. It's a man that's under consideration here. So single? No, because they're married. A woman? No, because it's the man who's married to wife. The man of, uh, husband of one wife. Man of one woman. Okay, so we're emphasizing husband that has a wife. But also I'm thinking, well, there are other, situations in which people are married or their marital situations for instance uh, there are people who are widows that's a man who has had one wife Uh, what about uh, polygamy that's a person that has you know what about a person who is divorced what about those okay let's talk about widows for a second. If a man has a wife, but that wife dies, can we still say that he's the husband of one wife? Because he'll refer to her as his wife. No. Okay, how you say no? How come? based
0: on we hear in Romans <laughs>
2: Good one. Uh, yes, uh, Romans 7 goes into the description of a man who's married to a woman and he, she dies. And what does that text tell us about that marital relationship? He has been freed from her. He's been freed from that which bound them together. He is no longer married to her. Okay. Now he can think of her fondly, whatever, but he is no longer married because she is no longer living. Uh, That goes back probably to most everybody's marital vows. When you vowed, In your marital vows, the relationship that existed from that point going forward, most of us say that we are going to be married for how long? Until death do us part. The reason why it's until death do us part is that when death occurs in one or the other, then what happens to that contract? It ends. That person has died. So Romans 7 talks about that. Therefore, you've got a widower who remains. Question, is he then the husband of one wife? Okay, so in that state, he could, could he or could he not be an elder? That would be a no. But let me ask this question. If he marries another woman, the previous woman is gone. Now he's married to another woman. How many women is he married to? Okay, he's married to one. Could that man be an elder in the church? Okay, we say, there's one. Okay, what about uh, polygamy? I've heard people say, actually the reason that this is put in here is because polygamy was a big thing in the first century. And turns out, yeah, polygamy was a big thing in the first century, (laughs) but polygamy was not a big thing in the church. Can you obey the gospel in the sin of polygamy and have your sins washed away and then become an elder? No, you couldn't because it said you had to only have one wife. Wait, stop. Okay, back up. If you're in a relationship, uh, one marriage is gonna be okay. However, if you're in a sexual relationship with another person, what does that make you? That makes you an adulterer against what relationship? The first marriage, right? One man and one woman for life. So it, to me, I just, I just throw out the idea that this had anything to do with polygamy. Uh, that wasn't an issue that the church was dealing with because if you're in the church, what? You're not a polygamist. Okay, so what about divorced people? If you are unscripturally divorced but you have put away your, your previous spouse and you've married another, can you now You've got one wife, right? Because you've got the legal document. Are you okay to uh, unscriptural marriage? Are you okay? Unscriptural? No, no. In, 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 in the economy of God, the original relationship, where is it hanging? It's still there. It's still there. What God has joined together, what? Let not man separate. Do you have a right to do that? No. So if you're in an unscriptural relationship, that would be a no. Okay. Would Definitely wouldn't be blameless because you're still in your sin. So uh, C.1. <laughs> okay. So we'll say uh, no, no to the un. Okay. What if you were in a scriptural divorce? You say... That your spouse cheated on you, you divorced them because of their adultery or whatever, and then uh, and maybe they even admit it. I don't know. But now you've married another, you're no longer scripturally bound to that first person, but you are now in a good relationship with your second spouse. Well, what, what about that? Anybody, nobody jumping on that one. Okay. Yeah. Um, this is this is kind of tricky right here. This is tricky. We we started off with blamelessness. We started off with the idea, not just the word, because when you're translating from when you're translating from Greek terms to English terms, you don't get the nuances from the original sense of what's trying to be conveyed. The idea of what was being conveyed was don't create a circumstance by your sin or whatever that gives Satan an opportunity to lay hold of you and then attack what? If you're a leader in the church, not just attack you, it's going to attack the church. Now, look at me and I'm not going to ask you to point your fingers at me again, but I just want to lay this out here. It is never, ever, ever my intention to offend anybody with anything that I say. But what I always intend to do is, is lay out there what God has to say about it. There are some circumstances, and I think that's what Doug is alluding to, where there's just uncertainty. Now, this is no offense to any divorced person in here. It may be that as you sit in that pew right now, you're thinking, yeah, but that person that I divorced, they sinned and it's clearly cut and dry that. That may be true until you go interview them. And then they will say, well, yeah, but. I'm not saying that they are telling the truth, but I am saying that they have a story to tell. It may be that you're in this relationship and there was a terrible battle over it and it is a he said, she she said, you can prove your innocence, they can prove their innocence. And if you're sitting there thinking, Ken, there is never a situation in which that is true. I will give you a situation that Anita and I saw one time wherein the church secretary said, here is what happened. The husband to the said church secretary, who still attends the church where she is the secretary, says, no, that is not what happened at all. And here is the truth about it. You say, I'm innocent. She says, I'm innocent. Gotcha. Everybody's innocent. But everybody is not innocent. So how do I, how do I ferret all of that out? Here's what I would do if I were in that situation. I would not bring my said documents or try to prove anything about it. This is me personally. I would take a pass on being an elder in the church. The reason that I would take a pass is because Satan is looking for something to do what with? Lay hold on. And even if I am as innocent as I could possibly be, you know the thing... (laughs) You're going to lay at night hoping and praying that Satan never takes advantage of this one thing. But guess what he will do? That he will very much do that. And then, you know, let's say we went with it. We were fine. And we go and we install you as an elder and things are going gangbusters here at the Boonville Church. We are growing and busting at the seams. You know what Satan then will do? He will pull that card and he'll say, you know what, just putting the question, and I don't have to put the question in everybody's hearts, I just have to put the question of your acceptability in the heart of a few. And then those, the, the people that I'm going to select are the ones who are prone to do what? Yeah. I, I, I mean, this is like 101 Satan Tactics. I am then gonna use my resource with the gossipers and I'm gonna get that in their hands. And then all those people who were on your side supporting you through this whole thing, guess what? Now they're going to begin to question. And then there's going to be a big committee. get together. They're going to go to the remaining elders. They're going to insist that so-and-so gets that. But in view of the facts that we have in our file over here in this filing cabinet, you know, we've already researched this thing, folks. Don't worry, we're on top of it. They won't listen to that. No, we have our own facts over here. And before you know it, there is a what? Split in the church. And where are we? Me, if that were my situation, I can serve in lots of different... Please understand this, that you're not running for president of the United States with a, I don't know, $450,000 salary or whatever it is. You're looking to serve the church as a leader in the church. If that's your situation, can you lead in other ways? I would say yes. I would say yes. But as an elder in the Lord's church, we need to have people who, who are not, not bulletproof, that's not what I'm saying, but who are in situations that for the most part, Satan can't do what? Lay hold of. Okay? Now, if I offended you with that, all I was trying to do was explain it. I'm not saying that you are guilty or innocent or anything or that we ought to call anybody into question, but what I am saying is if I'm considering my place in terms of this qualification, I need to think very carefully about my relationship with my spouse. Say that, I, say that we've been married for 30 years, but every time we get in the car, people hear us screaming at one another. You good? Yeah. Doing good? Yes, Adam? Real,
0: real quick to my last point, of biblical principle thing. 1 Corinthians 6, 12, and 1023, All things are lawful, not all things are expedient. Yes. yes. And, you know, peace.
2: <laughs> uh, love you and don't want to offend anybody. And that's not what I'm trying to do. I'm just saying, how can I best serve? Maybe that, maybe that wouldn't be one, if that has the potential to stir up problems. Okay? Apparently, apparently time's up. Thanks a lot. Well, we've only got like 50 million of these to go. Uh, but your assignment Look ahead and familiarize yourself with these things. And we'll move along a little more quickly. These, these were a couple of the hardest ones. Two weeks break? Oh, two weeks. Okay. All right. So you have plenty of time setting those up. Let's have a prayer and then we'll be dismissed. Father, thank you for this time that we could look at your word and just, just contemplate some of these things and put our minds to the task of understanding better what your expectation is of your leaders. And Lord, again, I pray you will especially be with these men in, in the hearing of these words. Have them examine themselves, find what is in place now, build on that. Motivate these men to lead this congregation, uh, to let it be known their desire to serve. And the Lord, help us as a, as a congregation to select among ourselves, to look among ourselves for those men who best fit these qualifications that you've laid out. And thank you for the wisdom that you've demonstrated in all of that. In Jesus' name, amen.